Hi, I'm Bjorn Roberts. I'm Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Singer Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Home of Delivery Podcast. Hello and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here with Ruth as ever. Hello Ruth, how are you? Hello. Um, interesting busy month, but I'm doing okay. You? Yes, not too bad, not too bad. Surviving, I think, is the uh, is the key word at the moment. Um, we are going to be talking to you today about the Wales women's game, mainly against Norway, uh, a very unfortunate 1-0 defeat. Um, there's a few other, obviously, things that have popped up at the minute. Um, Gareth Bale has moved to Spurs. Aaron Ramsey seems to be a regular starter for Juventus. And Wrexham are going to be uh, some sort of Hollywood football club, which is... Uh, <laughs> Sentences I didn't think I'd be saying, but uh, but there we go. Um, we'll start Ruth with uh, with the women's game. Um, first of all, uh, just your kind of your overall thoughts on the game, really, and and how you thought the game went. It's another one of those games where you come away feeling, ah, but actually a, a one nil defeat away in Norway to that particular team. You know, you think they they put. Six past Northern Ireland without blinking, for example. Um, in and of itself, it feels like a good result. I think it's it's just frustrating in the context of the group as a whole. Um, and I think ultimately what I come away with is just being more frustrated by those results against Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, we'll come on to the the context of it all uh, in a bit, but I think that the game itself, the performance I thought was fantastic. Um, They've obviously worked on new styles of play, and we we talked about that the last time we talked about the women's game, which I think we've not talked about them since since the New Zealand win, but... um, I think that was the that was the really pleasing thing for me was the performance. I think we pressed really well. It looked well organised, well thought through, um, and I thought we had chances in the game. We looked a real threat. We kind of pinned them back for the first fifteen minutes or so. I say we were the better team. I think the last ten minutes or so we were the better team. And in the middle, I thought we were we were more than a match for them. We kind of harried them and hassled them and didn't give them a minute's peace and. You know the, the girls just looked exhausted when they when they came off the pitch at the end. They really had to kind of work themselves into the ground. So altogether, I I do think it was a fantastic performance, and it's it's just the result um, that's missing really. Um, I think in the context of the group, I, it's a difficult one because you know you come away from one nil defeat against Norway, and given the way it's gone for them against Northern Ireland, you'd you'd think well that's actually not a bad result. Um, but it's obviously in the context of the situation, Northern Ireland, if they win out their remaining games, they would go above us on head-to-head away goals scored, which would be a very Wales way to miss out on something. But um, as a consequence, we kind of need something from the match. Um, and to be that close in a one-goal deficit and the chances we had and half-shouts for penalties and all that sort of stuff, I, it was uh, it was very difficult to watch, I think, in the end, in the context of the result. I agree. I think it's. We'll, I'm sure we'll come to the penalty, but I think, I think the latter one was was more than a half shout. Actually, um, I, I thought it was an interesting formation. Obviously, with with Tash Harding playing sort of just off Kaylee Green. I mean, we were clearly looking looking for goals in perhaps in a way that we haven't been recently. Um, that sort of almost four one three two formation was interesting with Ingle 
kind of dropping in and out of a, a back four to become a back five as needed and, and pushing forward to make four in midfield when needed. I mean, it, it, it's another demonstration of her, of her adaptability and that kind of maestro organisational role she, she has. Um, obviously, having Fishlock back did make a difference. Uh, we're, we're just... We're just looking like a very tidy, competent side, which is basically what we are. They're, in, they're very well coached, very well organised. I mean, there's. we said after the England game, I remember at the, the game in Southampton, we said that, you know, from a coaching point of view, you could, you could just pull snippet after snippet from the video as a coach to demonstrate tactical awareness and keeping the line and spacing and all that sort of thing. And you could see it again in in, in this game. They, they are very well drilled. And I think actually the fact that they had, might even have been over a week together before before this actual game, um, with it with it just being the one in the window, um, you could you could see um, you could see the strength in that as well. And um, and I agree with you. I think I think for you know we had two we had two corners in the first ten minutes. I can't remember a game where where we had that sort of pressure, give us those sorts of results. Um, and it was it was very very frustrating to give up a goal when we did in in the way that we did ultimately. Um, I mean clearly we those short corners you could see you know that we were onto what the fourth or the fifth by the time they scored from that short corner and we and we weren't reacting to that so i think i think there is a uh, a question about almost being to the coach to the point where you're, you're perhaps a little bit dogmatic and, and aren't reacting to what's actually happening on the field and I think that it was disappointing to see that we didn't react to those short corners Yeah, I, I found that quite weird to be honest I um, I agree with you about the coaching and I, I found it, you know, with the, the no fan situation that you can hear everything that's going on and <laughs> it was really interesting hearing Jane Ledlow using words to trigger presses and mm. um, and situations that obviously worked on, there was one that Kaylee Green did and she was just, uh, you could hear Jane Ludlow shouting, "Leave it and go for the next one," and she worked and she tracked the next pass, and that's what triggered the press. So there's obviously something <laughs> that they've worked so hard on. It was excellent to watch the the short corner thing. If we if we are going to talk about the goal, I think I was super frustrated with that because I don't think it's coached to the point where I'm just going to do my what I've been told. I was just amazed that as a manager on the sideline, there wasn't a reaction to that. And I'm not digging the boot in at Jane Ludlow at all. I think she's fantastic. She's done a brilliant job. She's doing an amazing job. Um, but by the time, I think it was the fourth time that that short corner routine happened and there'd be no reaction to it. I was actually, I was really surprised and disappointed with that because looking at Laura O'Sullivan, how she conceded the goal is one thing, but to, to let it happen in the manner that it did was so frustrating because they did the same thing I think it was three or four times and it was mm -hmm. just so disappointing to lose a game in that way and I'm sure it's something that they'll look on and look at sorry and, and, and that won't happen again next time out because it made me think someone had to have been free to not mark the second person who was going out to take the corner mm -hmm. it was I don't know anyway I, I, I thought it was just frustrating to lose um, a game on a goal like that um, I mean I want to ask your opinion on Laura O'Sullivan because I think I've got some fairly unpopular ones. So uh, I think I'll let you go first. I, I, th 
think my worry is the, the combination of how we're giving up goals and the fact that two of the three that we've given up in this campaign, you can probably put down to goalkeeper errors. So thus far, we've, we've only let in three goals. There's two by Northern Ireland and this one in Norway. So at Rodney Parade, they scored from a corner early in the game and obviously they scored late when O'Sullivan flapped at that free kick. And then this one's come from a short corner. So the pattern I see is that we're not defending set pieces well. You've got three goals there, one from a corner, one from a free kick, one from a short corner. Yes, O'Sullivan is complicit, certainly, absolutely, in the second goal against Northern Ireland. I think you can make a case perhaps she was unsighted in this one. I don't think this was as big as an, er an error as what happened at the end of the Northern Ireland game, but it's a significant error. I'm not denying that. You know, you only had to listen to Joe Price in the in the um, studio talking about it as a fellow goalkeeper. I mean, she was very quick to put it down as a goalkeeping error. Can I just jump um, in and interrupt so, there just to ask a yeah. question about that? Because you're right about the, the corners and set pieces. So yeah. do you think that is a, a symptom that we don't defend set pieces well? Or do you think people are targeting set pieces in a way that even more so than normal because of the goalkeeper? I think it might be both. I think it might be both. I think if you're if you're an opposition coach, you've seen you've seen how we've conceded recent goals, so you're going to try and utilize that. And then the fact that you can see that as a weakness is because we have it as a weakness. So I think it's I think it's both elements. I think it's both elements, Di. I think we are weak on those crosses, particularly the ones that are that curl across the box, whether they curl out or in, there's there's a there's a weakness there. We're not uh, we're not one, we're not closing down the player that's crossing in one way or another. And two, we're not we're not somehow we're not communicating whose responsibility it is for what to happen as that ball comes in. Um, you know, the the goal the goal we conceded at the start of the Northern Ireland game, it was it came off a half clear. It didn't come directly off the corner. It came yeah. off a half clear. Um, so I think somewhere in that mix, there's, there's just something not quite clicking somewhere in that mix. And I'm not going to pretend I know what the answer is or what the coaching solution is. I, I, I'm not going to pretend. something not quite quite there. I'm not going to pretend that I know what the coaching solution is because I definitely don't <laughs> but I do think I know what the problem is and I think that if you deliver a certain type of ball into a box it is becomes a goalkeeper's responsibility at a point to deal with a certain type of cross. There's an area in the penalty area anywhere in and around the, the six yard box really where in my opinion a goalkeeper has to come and dominate. And I think you're right to an extent that there's a, 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 a slightly creaking defence when it comes to winning headed balls. I don't think we're a very tall team. I think Rhiannon Roberts is very good in the air, but I don't think beyond that we, we, we're that good in the air, I don't think. So I do think t teams target that in general. But with that said, when the ball comes into that area, that is the goalkeeper's domain. And I think if a team, 
is putting the ball into that area. I don't think that's a coaching thing per se. I don't think that's anything other than the goalkeeper needs to come and claim the ball in that area. And for me, I, we talked about it, first of all, uh, around about the time of the New Zealand game. Because we recognised that that was something that New Zealand did a lot at corners, um, was to, to put uh, Laura O'Sullivan under pressure. And it and it didn't work in that game. She stood up quite well to it, but she still got a bit lucky in certain circumstances, kind of flapped at a few things and kind of got away with it. Whereas that didn't happen uh, against Norway. And I just... My my final thing about it all is, in my opinion, as unpopular as it may be, she has cost us, arguably, four points. Um, and I think that is, in a, from a goalkeeper's perspective, in a, will, in, in a qualifying tournament, bordering on unforgivable. And I think, for me, you hear a lot of people talking about Wayne Hennessy, you know, he's not playing regular football. What's going to happen? Is he going to be dropped? Is Adam Davis going to come in? Wayne Hennessy, from my memory, has made one kind of costly mistake, the goal against Azerbaijan, which didn't actually end up costing us anything in the end. Um, yet there's a lot of kind of call and speculation about his position coming under threat. Yet Laura O'Sullivan has legitimately cost us four points here. And and I, and I, and I don't why I don't know why we're not hearing those voices and like I was speaking to Joy my wife about you know about the game and stuff and um she was just like oh you're so much nicer to the women than you are when it comes to men's football um which is probably true and it and it did make me think if Wayne Hennessy was doing this or you know uh, Martin Dubravka at Newcastle was was doing this they would come into question and and it's and it's true, and I and I don't think that she should get away with it. And I, I'm saying this like it's life and death, and I know it's not a case of getting away with it. But for me, genuinely, if she is going to cost you four points in a campaign, it becomes a question of whether she deserves to keep her spot in the team. And I know this sounds really really harsh, but I do also think a lot of people who watch women's football, uh, and specifically Wales, and I would to an extent count you and I that in that bracket. I don't know what she does on a on a week by week basis. She might be pulling off amazing saves every week, and when it comes to the pressure of international football, something clicks and she can't do it. I don't know. But what I will say is is that if if we're in this position, we can't just keep saying, "Oh, but she was an amazing goalkeeper for that one England game where we drew nil nil and she had a brilliant performance." Because that doesn't wash. That got us a point. Fantastic! It was an amazing achievement for everyone. <laughs> But if she's now costing us points further down the line, I'm ranting, I apologize, waffling, um, then I think we're at a position where we do need to be kind of looking at, is is there another option here? Because for me, she is legitimately costing us a shot at the at the playoffs at the moment. I think, I'm, I don't think I'm quite ready to go there yet because I'm not, at this point, I'm not sure that disrupting that D is productive because I, I think, I do think there are issues in terms of responsibility across the whole defensive five, really. To be fair, I'm not saying um, it's all her fault. I, I, I don't, I don't no. mean it in that sense because it, that, it's not all her fault. Like that yeah. goal, that goal that w- was conceded against Norway, for example, after the first short corner and no one reacted to it, that is someone else's fault. Whether you want to blame the manager, mm-hmm. you want to blame someone who, was, who didn't react to it, wh- whatever happens, you that is not her fault. But yeah. as unsighted as she was, perhaps, I, I don't buy that myself, but 
when that ball comes into that box, she has stepped off her line and she has flapped under the ball. She's almost stepped out of the way. And what I was really amazed at, you know, I am no goalkeeper, I'm no footballer, but she stepped forward. She stepped towards the penalty spot there. And when the ball mm-hmm. is dipping over your shoulder like that, or is looped up in the air sort of thing, I would have thought, and I'm trying to do the reactions now, but <laughs> you can't see, but you, I would have thought you go backwards and she stepped forward and then jumped backwards, which is how mm-hmm. she was so far under the ball. And like I say, the other stuff that happened, not her fault. In that instance, that thing, that whatever, it goes through her mind. And I do think it has become a confidence issue for her in that area now, is that that is fundamentally bad goalkeeping. Okay. okay. I can't I can't disagree with that as a that instant as bad technique. There's you know, there's no doubt about that. Um I I just I'm not I don't think I'm ready to cause the disruption that a fresh goalkeeper would cause. It's interesting because I I know what you're saying, but what disruption is there that that doesn't change the situation now do you know what I mean maybe not for this campaign I'm not suggesting but I mean looking forward do we not need is that not a plan I mean if she gets injured oh I see what you mean I mean we still need someone who can I just can't see obviously you always you always need a reserve and you know it's not that there isn't a uh, options off the bench or anything I just don't I just don't see how for the remainder of this these qualifying games it makes sense to start changing that particular arrangement i'm not I, I agree with you i think there there needs to be an examination of the the unit as a whole and how and, and the goalkeeper's role within that and what the expectations are and but i agree with you i think there's a confidence issue now there's a confidence issue under a high ball particularly a somewhat looping high ball um and Really, you can only work through that through exposure in, in training and technique and um, evaluation and, and looking at it. And I think we, we know perhaps we need to look at much as what we could, what can we do to try and help prevent those balls coming in, as well as what can Laura Sullivan do better about them. No, I, and I and I think that's absolutely fair, especially the short corner situation that we we saw there. Mm-hmm. Um, to look at the other end of the field. I thought it was interesting the way we held the ball the way we did. I thought we played excellently with the ball uh, for large chunks. But we also looked a lot of the time to kind of go long and just hope to hope that hey, Kaylee Green could hold the ball up. And, mm-hmm. and it worked in, in chunks of the game. People got around to her quite well and quite quickly. Um, yet, we still didn't really... F- I didn't really feel like we made the goalkeeper work that much. Um, I'm focusing on a lot of the negatives now. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I am very positive and I, and I will be more positive in the future, I promise. But um, I, I, I wonder if the lack of goals is, is kind of becoming a, a mild concern. I mean, if you look through our group, we scored one against Belarus, none against Northern Ireland and then two, none against Norway. Okay, the blip, so to speak, there is the, is the, is the Pharaohs game. But before that, it was, okay, one against New Zealand, one against the Czech Republic. And then we went through that spell, if you remember, where we didn't score for a fair few games. Um, and, I, and I just worry, worry a little bit that our lack of goals is, is ultimately the thing 
as much as I've just pointed the finger at Laura Sullivan, whether our lack of goals is, is will ultimately be the thing that undoes us. Yeah, I mean the the, I mean this is going to sound trite, but the the most a goalkeeper can do is ensure you get a draw. Yeah. You know, if you want to win, if you want to win games, you've got to do things at the other end of the field. Um, I do think it was interesting that we went with a combination of, of Green and Harding. Um, part, in the first half, I I did feel like Tash was a little bit anonymous, like she was still trying to find a footing, wasn't quite sure how far to play off Kaylee Green. I agree. Um, so as as well as we played in the first 15 minutes of the first half, we didn't actually see much of Tash. She was much more involved in the second half, and I think they got the spacing and the and the respective roles a bit clearer um, in in the second half. And they were playing off each other quite well. And and the way that that Tash brings Jess Fishlock into into the play as well, I think you could see that much more evidence in the in the second half. Um, the I think we, if, if that's a route, and we've had this discussion in relation to the men's game as well, I mean, if that's a route we want to go, then we, ha- then we have to stick with it and we have to persist with it and we have to give them time to create yeah. a, 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 some patterning and, um, and, and get used to that. Um, you know, Tashi's versatility, you, you know, she dropped back to left back by the end of the game, yeah, yeah. didn't she? Um, yeah, I mean, her versatility can, can, can be a bad thing as well, I think, sometimes because... Um, there's sometimes a tendency just to throw her anywhere on the pitch. And, um, and I'm not sure that's necessarily good for, for creating partnerships and patterns. Um, but yeah, I think, I do think that was a statement that we're, we're going to work on, on, on finding goals. I thought, um, and Harrod James's corners in particular were a real threat. Yeah, I agree. The, the way she, the way she can curl that, that ball in towards the back post in particular. So, uh, you know, keep working on that. Look at what we can do to perhaps to be better at getting on the end of those. Um, Rhiannon Roberts, ironically, as you, as you mentioned, might actually be the best header of the ball yeah. that we have. So from, from, from set piece corners with James crossing and Roberts on them, that, you know, that might be a way for us to deliver some, atypical atypical scoring i suppose yeah i agree i think i think that is something that definitely needs to continue to work on and i think as as we as we mentioned at the start that you can really see the impact of the quality of the coaching because the, the the performances are improving i thought we were desperately unlucky not to get a point out of that i thought we really really deserved it um and i thought that we got so unlucky a couple of times. The, the Rachel Rowe one at the end was the one for me. I, when that kind of bobbles to her kind of a, after after a corner and it, it falls to her and she hits that so true and it is flying in the bottom corner. And it's just, just one of those where on another day the ball goes through the legs of the of the opposition and, and it kind of nestles in the bottom corner and she just got so unlucky. She sh- struck it so true that it hit the mm-hmm. legs and kind of came away and uh, very unlucky. Um, and I think that the... We had them rattled, and I think that, you know, we were a little bit lucky in the sense of the goal that they had disallowed, which was, I, I would describe as a farcical, uh, a farcical uh, disallowing of a goal. But I mean, you know, I'm not going to complain. Um, and I thought we were very, very unlucky because I think 
Jess's header at the end, you know, that's just flutes wide. And for me, I mean, it's an absolute stone wall penalty for me. Um, the captain, Mielder, I think that's how you say her name, as she's not turned away. She's Her left arm is out. It's out of position. It's not in a natural position. She's not moving. It's a bit unlucky in the, in the way that it's kind of has popped up. But that is... If you look at what has gone in the Premier League today, we're recording this on Sunday night. Newcastle have just had the the, the most pathetic penalty given for them. Um, and uh, obviously, I'm delighted by it, but just a dreadful decision. But when you compare the two, this one for Wales was an absolute stonewall penalty. A hands out of position um, and it's popped up and hit her. And it's, it's a penalty all day for me. And I think that would have been the, the reward we really, really deserved. I can't disagree with that. I was, um, yeah, as you as you know, I couldn't watch it live. Um, so I was getting messages about what was happening. And when I heard we'd had a penalty shout, I'm like, okay, you know, it happens. They go either way. It's, you know, they probably got unlucky with the shout for the second goal. We yeah. probably got unlucky with this. But then I, when I was able to actually sit down and watch the whole of the game, um, and I got to that point in the game, I'm like, this is what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah. How is that? How is it not a penalty? I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know where to start with that. It, it ticked all the boxes for me. As you said, her arm was away from her body. And it doesn't, it isn't, it isn't just that the ball kind of hits her and ricochets off. It kind of almost rolls along her yeah, arm like and down, into, her, into her torso and down. And it's like, it's not even fleeting. And, and the, Referee wasn't badly positioned either. It wasn't yeah. those ones where the referee had, was completely the wrong side of the ball or the wrong side of the player. She actually had a good view of that. So that makes it all the more disappointing, really. I mean, I don't know if you got the same angle that, that the BBC showed, but there was an angle from kind of behind. So it was kind of behind the ref and it was looking at what she would be looking at, almost the angle of the camera and, and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, she had a completely unobstructed view of it. Um she, I mean, I just don't, I just don't know how she's not give it. It was oh, so frustrating. Um, to to kind of look a bit further forward with it, I think I do think that should and and will give us a lot of confidence as to what we can achieve because I, I, a few people kind of likened it in a way to the to the England game, but we were hanging on for ninety minutes in that England game. Um, mm. you know, obviously we had the the, the corner that, what that should have been a goal at the start. But other than that, we really did just hang on. Um, and in this, I thought we were a real part of the game. Um, I thought, for me, um, the uh, left back, I think, was very unlucky, uh, was very lucky to stay on the pitch. The number of fouls she did, she got booked late, late in the game when she, I think she should have already been booked in my view. Um, I think we really took it to them and they were rattled by us. And I, and I think that is a big step up from the England game. Um, and, I, and I think everyone should be kind of proud of, of the way we played. I know the result didn't come for us, but when we look forward, I think that does and should give us confidence into, into what we can do when we play them. I mean, the double header now we've got coming up is really what it's all about, isn't it? I, I'd expect us to beat the Pharaohs on the 22nd. And then on the 27th, we've got that Norway game. Um, I just we've we've got to win it. This we've got to get something out of it. It's as simple as that. I don't see Northern Ireland slipping up elsewhere. Um, I think 
we have to get something from that game. And if and if this performance is anything to go by, we have every single chance of being able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think the way the qualifying group's falling out, we've obviously got to win out the the Belarus and the Pharaoh games and and try and take some point a point at least, hopefully more from the from the Norway game. Um, but the way that the qualifying group will fall out if if we and Northern Ireland end up on the same points is, I, I mean, I can see why UEFA have done it the way they've done it, but it it's just a bit weird because yeah. um, ultimate ultimately they'll they'll pip us because they scored two goals in a draw in Rodney Parade and, and we we had a nil nil draw with them um, over in Northern Ireland so. That, that's a frustration. Uh, but I agree with you. I think I think there's an awful lot of positives to take from that game. I thought Anna Philby was very good given yeah. her inexperience. I, um, I thought um, Rhiannon Roberts just looks more, just more of a player every time I see her. I, th- I think she's she's really growing, growing into her role. Um and, and and obviously at the minute we're we're, we're playing for a playoff spot. Um, we've we've got to put everything into securing second place in this group. It really doesn't matter what's what's happening elsewhere because we're we're so far off being one of the top three second place teams. So that's that's just off the table now. Yeah. Um. So I think we've you know we've we've got to make sure that we're we're looking at. However, we need to get second place in this group. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit concerned about depth. I, I, I thought it was interesting that the only substitution in a game where we'd worked that... I, you know, with, with Lauren Dykes and Megan Wynn unavailable, um, I, I do think there's a question about um, the the... Dragging a, you know, dragging ninety minutes out of just a starting eleven, I think that's really hard. Um, I think it might, we might need to be perhaps a little creative with the Pharaohs game and and you know hope to win it in a half and then and then make some substitutions in the second half. Make sure people haven't run around too heavily in that game before the Norway game. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's sorry. It's, it's it's another situation where the, the 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 ball is in our court. We have three games at home, and we can see what we need to do in order to finish second in the group, and we've just got to get there. I mean, I, I agree. I, I think we do need to put the Pharaohs to bed early and, and make the changes we can. I agree with you about the depth, but with that said, I mean, Helen Ward came on. She's our all-time leading goal scorer. Um, we we were missing Lauren Dykes. We were missing Megan Wynn. Um, you know there are other players who, you know, maybe could have come on and, and made an impact. Um, I felt that she thought that the team were playing well and and didn't kind of need that. Um, and I think it was a good show of confidence in my in my view that that she could leave the those players on and they would kind of do the job they did, uh, and they proved her right with that. I, I I do agree with you. I I was tweeting during the game that. You know, we looked leggy up front, but to be fair, the the girls kept working, um, and I think it, it it did it did work. Um, 
so I, I don't think that we can kind of question that too much in my in my view. Um, I think looking at the at the games coming up, to me, obviously, like I just said, it's, it is all about that um, Norway game. I think the other two games are almost to an extent irre- irrelevant, really. If we don't get something from the Norway game, uh, the other two almost don't matter. Um, as you say, we're kind of a, a long way off becoming one of the third best teams. I mean, looking at it, we have played one fewer game than than a couple of teams, but Belgium have played 6-1-5. We're not going to catch them. I mean, Italy, Italy, I feel sorry for them that they're in second in their group. They've played 5-1-5. Mm-hmm. Iceland played 5-1-4. Republic of Ireland, 6-4. and four. France played 4-1-4. Um, so you're right. We are kind of down that down that pecking order a little bit. So I, I think we are playing for a playoff spot, as you uh, as you rightly say. It's um, yeah. It's just going to be it's going to be very very interesting, very difficult games. Um, and I and I I don't know. I, I'm loath to make a prediction about these things because every time I do, they're always completely miles off the mark. So uh, uh, I don't want to dent our hopes anymore by saying something stupid. Um, one thing before we move on to uh, other business is I think we should have a have a word for, for two people, actually. I thought Sophie Inge was phenomenal. I think the way she can transition from being a defender to being a centre midfielder um, at the drop of a hat, I, I think is unbelievable. And I think she, because of Jess Fishlock and what she's achieved, I think there's an element of um, that she's a bit understated. She's a very quiet person from, from all accounts. And, and I think she doesn't get the the credit she deserves she is a fantastic footballer um and i think the video that went round of of the players and her mum and other people saying congratulations to her was incredible and i think that showed how important that the the rest of the team see her as um and i just wanted to kind of pay tribute to her because 100 crap caps craps oh god well done um 100 caps is a <laughs> is a, is not a crap achievement in fact it's a, it's a wonderful achievement so uh, in the off chance that uh, Sophie or her uh, or anyone around her listens to this, I would just wanted to say congratulations, and I'm and I'm sure you would echo me in that. They don't want to. They don't want to listen to that bit, Dave. They can definitely <laughs> skip that. Bit. <laughs> no, I, I mean I can't. I was going to say I can't. I want to echo your words, but no, I don't want to echo your words. Um, no, she's. I mean, she's just phenomenal. I mean, you don't get nominated to be um, uh, PFA player, player of the year without being, being something right. And, and, and I just think it's that ability, as you said, to just switch between those two key roles that, you know, normally you have to have basically two very dedicated, very focused players doing those roles. Yeah. And she switches between the two of them effortlessly. And, um, and, and just congratulations. Uh, absolutely. The other person I wanted to make mention of is Haley as well from Fee Wales. She... Um, went to huge efforts to make a, a, con- a congratulatory flag uh, for Sophie uh, with lots of different people's messages on it. So that was great. And she also had T-shirts made um, to celebrate her 100th cap. So I just wanted to say well done, Haley as well. Someone else who does uh, does a lot for, 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 for football and women's football in Wales. Um, to move on to uh, the, 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 the transfer that we've all been hoping for um, has finally come to fruition. And Gareth Bale has... Uh, has freed him, himself from the shackles of Real Madrid. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can barely speak to. I've not even. I am hungover, to be fair. But I'm. I'm not. I've not had a drink today. I, I can't get my words out. Um, yeah, I, I think we can all say that that's a that's a fantastic move. 
Um, and I and I really do believe he is going to have an impact on the championship. Uh, oh my Christ, on the Premiership, and uh, and obviously on uh, a massive benefit for for Wales and Welsh football as well. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of this, this notion that we were all hoping that, that Gareth would go somewhere he was loved, I don't think there could actually be a better outcome than, than heading back to Spurs, really. Could there? Um, and presumably, Mourinho rates him. I mean, he's obviously tried to buy him previously. And I don't, I don't think Spurs would be laying out this sort of amount of money if, he, if there wasn't a plan for him actually to be playing reasonably, reasonably regularly. Um, Obviously, he's carrying a knock on his knee that he he picked up in the in the game against Bulgaria, and there seems to be a question about whether he'll actually be ready for those early October games that we we have coming up. Um, I actually do wonder whether he might be better doing what I'm starting to think of doing an Aaron, which is tactically staying with your club at a very strategic moment yeah. when it may actually pay more dividends than than going off for an international. Not that either of them would ever turn down a chance to play for Wales. But I think we can see that that 10 days that Ramsey stayed back in Juventus is, is actually paying dividends already to the point where Pilo even mentioned it in a press conference that, you know, Aaron Forgo going off with the international team so that he, he Pirlo, could work with him. And, I, you know, I think... There may be a point where where Gareth just needs to just bite the bullet for this for this one window and um, and, and not cause any um, antagonism by yeah, by agree. trying to play for Wales at this point. I agree. I mean, you look. We've got obviously the England game. It would be great to see him in that game, but I mean, it's a friendly. I, I, I fundamentally am not bothered in the first instance about that. To be honest. Um, the Ireland game and the Bulgaria game are the other two in the the Nations League that matter, so to speak. Um, you know, I think Bulgaria aren't a particularly good team. We laboured in that victory, and I think we can beat them. Um, we know that we can beat Ireland. They are in a bit of flux themselves. Um, so I, I don't think we need Gareth in, in, in inverted commas at that point. We've got James, we've got Wilson, we've got Brooks. Um, we've got hopefully Ramsey will be there. Um, we've got options in those areas. So I really do think that you, you're right that he should kind of do the right thing for by Spurs and and himself there because longer term we need him fit and firing and and that should be what our focus is on really. Um, I think it's a fantastic move. For him. Before, I, I really hope it works. Yeah, so before we leave Spurs, I I do wonder what Regalon's signing means for Ben Davies though. I think in our excitement at Bale moving back, we kind of might have lost sight that there was a, a second part to that scenario and and what bringing that a different left back in might, might actually mean for Ben Davies going forward that's actually a bit of a concern well you say that but he has seen off a fair few left backs who've you know challenged him from his <laughs> place um Ben Davies started today by all accounts had a had a pretty good game for Spurs I thought um looked very defensive uh, solid defensively um, didn't do a huge amount going forward but did get up and down um, and I thought he played really really well and I think he played uh, last week as well was very similar as well so I, I do think he's got um, a lot a lot to offer and I, and I don't think it's quite as black and white uh, just yet that he's kind of lost his place I, I think part of it might be um, a squad cover situation because of Danny Rose uh, 
is not going to have have an involvement. I don't think as much this year. So I, I think that's that's as much the issue as anything else there. Um, so I'm personally less concerned about uh, Davies at the moment. I'm concerned about Wilson, but that's a that's a story for another day. But um, and Dan James for that matter. But I, I do. Th- I'm less. I'm less worried about him. I think he's kind of got rid of enough people in the in the past that I think he'll he'll do the same here. Um, the next thing that we want to talk about, um, you mentioned Ramsey there, so I will briefly dip into that. I think he got man of the match in Juve's first game of the season. Uh, got an assist, played excellently, and I think that decision to not play has really worked out for him and in longer term will also work out for Wales as well. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, it's 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 early doors yet, but um, I think it is in our strategic interests for him to be playing at Juve and to be um, embedded in the club, and that's going to work out for us in the end. And I think if it means he has a couple of less caps along the way, then there are points where we just have to live with that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Um and I'm I'm, just, I'm holding on to see if he will um, play uh, today. I'm I'm just trying to check, but I still can't see the uh, the lineups for for Juve's game. I think they're playing Roma today. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that's 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 positive. Um, the thing that we all really want to talk about. I'm just checking how long we've been talking now, but is uh, is Wrexham, which is <laughs> just one of the most. I don't want to say ridiculous because it's not ridiculous. Well, it is kind of ridiculous. Situations where this mega star of of of, of Hollywood <laughs> wants to buy Rex, and it's fantastic uh, for the club. I don't know if you've heard Carl Bootlegger was on uh, on one of the phone-ins today with Robbie Savage, and he'd obviously been pissed out of his well not out of his mind but pissed in the afternoon because he was slurring his words and burping his way through the interview if you if you haven't listened to that I would uh, I'd very much recommend it but um yeah just the the possibilities for what this might mean are, are really fantastic for Wrexham uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to be a little bit more kind of circumspect and not get caught up in the sort of all the Hollywood scenario of Reynolds and McElhenney getting involved because we're not actually even clear what they're proposing at the minute I mean the vote the vote has been to start talking with them there's there's talk of money between about two million and two and a half million but what you know depending on where you read it's not even clear what what are they looking to invest that money are they looking to buy the club you know what we're not even actually 100% sure what they're what their proposal is. Um, it, I mean, you can't pretend it's not exciting and interesting. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a ludicrous script in a rather strange production thus far. Um, you know, why and how they, they, you know, set their sights on Wrexham. I mean, it is a historically significant club. There's no, there's no doubt about that. It's, um, if you were looking at teams in in that particular league, they're probably in a better fiscal shape than a lot a lot of teams. Um, they've got a, they've got a ground that's worth having. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Um, so, although I mean, technically it's not Wrexham's. It's they have operational control of it with with the lease that they're on, but it's technically not theirs. Right. Um, 
but I think um, I was trying to look a little bit into Wrexham's books and, and see what two, two and a half million pounds actually meant. And the, the only finances that are released at the minute are for the 18-19 season. And so their turnover was up at just over four million and their gates receipts of that, about a million of it was gates gate receipts and the ultimate profit was about three quarters of a million so obviously two two to two and a half million is a significant amount of money but it's half of what an annual turnover is i don't know enough about how you value businesses but my gut reaction is that doesn't sound enough to buy a business that has twice that as its turnover so I don't know how you audit these things. And I think at the moment, the particular, um, the circumstances around COVID and the fact that, you know, Wrexham aren't even playing football means that any money is valuable money. But I do think, I do think there needs to be a very careful look at what the club is actually worth if you're selling it to someone. You know, what, what, um, what amounts to a proper price? For, for the club and, it, and its assets. For me, I, mean, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm far from a financial genius, but I, the way I read it was that that, that money was kind of was, was going to be open f- to use for investment rather than that was the money that they were going to use to buy the club. So I, 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 mm. I, I could be wrong on that. But again, I suppose it's just how you audit it and stuff. Um, so I, I could have misread that, and I'm happy to be proved. No, wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think different sources are talking about an investment, and different sources are talking about a purchase. And actually, the truth is, we don't know yet because yeah. they haven't put forward their proposal. I mean, I think yeah. moving forward, the, there is a lot of excitement and glitz, for want of a for better <laughs> thing. And I've seen some tremendous memes and gifs this week as well. Um, but. The one thing that does worry me about it is, as you say, we don't know what their plan is, uh, and that's one thing. But to not know what their plan is, but also kind of the longevity of it, like this isn't like an oil-rich family where the the, the money kind of keeps rolling in. It comes mm-hmm. a point where he's going to stop making films, uh, or uh, and they're both going to stop doing that, and you know their other investments could go awry. And at, at what point? is there a long-term plan laid out and what happens when Ryan Reynolds and his pal don't want to own it anymore and, or, you know, in 50 years when maybe one of them dies. <laughs> like, I don't mean to sound horrible, but like, you know, I, I, I wonder what the kind of long-term vision is. That's the only thing that scares me a little bit. I do, I have seen an interview with Ryan Reynolds where he was saying like, I only invo- invest in businesses that I want to be a part of, that I'm personally invested in as well as financially. And that, does make me feel a lot better about it but until we see their plans and everything else i, I think you know the, the 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 cork should stay in the champagne bottles for just just for now you know yeah yeah i mean i think rob McElhenney is more of the, the business mind of these two if you, if you look at reynolds portfolio he's really only been in investing in businesses for for the last two to three years and he does clearly invest in things he likes you know he's a part owner in american gin um he's got the ownership share in a in a mobile a cell mobile company over over here um and he's just been invited to join the board so he's not a shareholder but he's joined the board of 
of the match group, which are which are the group that own Tinder, for example. Oh, right. So, I mean, there's there's a there's a pattern there of kind of um, should we say fun stuff. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I, you know, I, 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 you can see his point about he gets involved in things he enjoys. So, uh, you know, m- maybe, but based on his kind of background and his interests, he would be buying into a hockey team. Both of them are hockey fans, um, ice, ice hockey fans. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it feels a more natural move if they wanted to go into that direction that it just seems a bit weird to me. Um, I do know what you mean. I, I think the thing is, uh, you know, as we as as we know, and anyone who who's interested in uh, American sports knows that the, the value of 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 an American football team is vast, and I think uh, an American football uh, uh, an NHL team is vast, and I think to get involved in something to the point where you might make money out of it, I don't actually think that investing in like lower level hockey perhaps is something that they would see as financially viable. I think the the attraction, I would say, with Wrexham is that they have a, a, a good sized ground for the for the situation that they're in. I think they have a solid, loyal fan base for the situation they're in, and I think that would only grow over time. I think because they're in Wales, there's the possibility to host Wales games, and I think that's exciting for them. I think I can, I can personally, I can see if you want to get involved in professional sports and you don't want to spend, you know, hundreds of millions that it would to get involved in a team whatever whatever sport kind of further up the ladder that then perhaps this is a good opportunity to test the waters in that see what money you can make um see what how far up the ladder you can get without kind of breaking the bank which i think is feasible and and i think the possibility to make money from a club like wrexham and turn a lot of fans away from supporting the the other teams that are around them like your everton's and Liverpool's, Man United's, whatever. I think there is a lot of relatively untapped potential. In fairness, I think Wrexham do well at, at pulling in a, a young audience that can't, you know, that can't afford to to go to some of the big city games. Um, and I, I think their demographic is that certainly at the younger end of perhaps some equivalent teams in that in that position. Um, I, I mean, I think. Long and the short is we just don't know enough yeah. at the minute about what they're, what they're proposing. And it's until we get some sort of handle on what they're proposing, then people can evaluate it properly. Um, I, I, I just think we need to be careful that we don't, we don't get bowled over by the glitz of it. It's still got to make financial sense. No, I, I agree. I think that's a very fair point. Um, to look at one more thing before we finish, which is Newport County, um, who've had, quite frankly, a brilliant start to the season. Um, they drew with Scunthorpe on the first day. They have beaten uh, Cambridge and Watford in the Cup as they plan and to... And Swansea. They beat uh, Swansea too. Swansea, yes. Uh, and <laughs> as they plan to take on the, the might of uh, Newcastle United. Uh, <laughs> well, after, well, after today. <laughs> oh, my God. If, they, if Newport don't win that, they should hang their heads in shame. They should be the one that embarrassed not beating them than the other way around. Um, um, but yeah, they 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 beat Barrow on the weekend. Uh, sorry, as well. Sorry, and then they beat Bolton. Sorry, this weekend um, to go third in the in the table, but which is really kind of joint top. 
um, themselves, Port Vale and Cambridge, um, have got seven points from three games. So a great start to the season. Uh, a lot of people kind of questioned Flinney a little bit toward the end of last year. And I think he's kind of responded absolutely brilliantly. The team have responded brilliantly. And I'm very, very much looking forward to uh, to watching the game on uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't can't disagree with anything you've said. It's been a great start to the season. And I think, you know, the, a, a bit of financial um, uh, finance, finances added thanks to this the game being on Sky on Wednesday. It's, you know, that's, it's only, that's only positive at the minute. Everybody's scrabbling around in circles trying to, trying to work out how they're going to keep clubs going. And I think, you know, the, the, the news that crowds are going to continue to be absent from games going forward for a fair few months yet. I mean, clubs are just going to have to find income in whatever way they can. And I think Newport have um, are blessed that they've managed to have this bit of a run and they're, and they're going to get some money from Sky. I, I didn't realise until I was reading that you don't actually really get any money from the Carabao Cup until you're from the actual cup competition itself until yeah. you get through to the semi-finals. And even then, by footballing standards, it's it's a very small £50,000. Yeah. Um, so the hundred, so the 125 from the televising of, the, of this game on Wednesday is, is really important, actually. Oh, massively important. I mean, I think the, the work they've done in the Cups shows how important they value them as and, and what rewards can be gained from, from them as well. So, yeah, just, I've got, you know, as, as we've often said on here, I've, I've got a massive spot, soft spot for Newport. Um, I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised in any way if they turned over one of the worst Newcastle teams I've seen in a long time <laughs> um, in the week. Uh, and I think they've got every chance. And I think I'd be genuinely, if, you, if you're looking for some sort of, Cup upset and want to make yourself a few quid. I, I think you could do worse things and put money on uh, on Newport this week. No, don't say it. Don't oh, say sorry, it, don't sorry, I've just ruined that. <laughs> I? Apology, uh, apologies, Newport fans. Um, yeah, so I think um, as far as I'm concerned, that is uh, that is it for today. I don't know if there's anything else that I've missed, Ruth, that you want to add. Um, no, I mean there's actually a lot of other stuff we could we could talk about. Um, wider transfers, transfer rumours. Um, that sort of thing, but I, I think we've waffled enough for folks. <laughs> I, I think so too. Uh, we will do. Uh, I understand that the Wales squad is being announced uh, for the uh, three upcoming October games. I understand that's going to be released on Wednesday, so we will have a pod uh, in the near future doing a, a match preview. I don't think we're going to do a, a, a full squad announcement. Uh, chat but we will do a full preview of the three games uh, coming up soon so keep your eyes out for that Ruth has also written a blog which has gone out via Welsh football fans uh, today on Sunday um, so please do go and have a look at that about Ryan Giggs and whether he's very shrewd or we don't quite give enough credit um, for the way he does his dealings and it's a, great, it's a very entertaining read by now professional blogger uh, Ruth Williams <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, Ruth also has um, her own blog, and she is uh, writing a blog about uh, life living in an RV. So you know, the, you're only on the up in this in this way, Ruth. You know, I've, <laughs> we've we've provided a wonderful platform for you to go and uh, and and you know earn, earn your living in the blogging world. <laughs> we can, I can, I can, but try. Exactly, you're going to be an internet sensation, Ruth. You know, you're going to you you'll be going viral before you know what's going on. You'll be like one of those YouTubers, is what you'll be like. <laughs> I somehow don't think that's for me. <laughs> 
Oh, I would love nothing more to watch a YouTube channel of you and Alan, but that is a story for another day, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you for chatting, Ruth. Uh, and we will see you very, very soon. Thank you very much and have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye, folks.